You're listening to a Sunday morning message by Authentic Church. Good morning. It's really, really good to see you all this morning. We are rapidly approaching Christmas. Um, And I love Christmas. I've always loved Christmas, even before I chose to become a Christian. And I love it even more now. Today, as we are in our second week of Advent, I want us to read the story of the birth of Jesus together. When I was preparing the message today, I asked the Holy Spirit to highlight for me things he wanted me to notice and ponder on in this Advent period. Now, I would love it today, if possible, to try and read and hear with fresh ears, hearts and minds, these familiar verses and ask the Holy Spirit what he wants to say to all of us as we approach Christmas. If you have your Bible with you this morning, could I encourage you to turn to Luke chapter 2 and verses 1 to 20. Luke chapter 2 verses 1 to 20. In fact, we won't be reading quite that far, just to 1 to 12, in fact. So, Luke chapter 2, the birth of Jesus. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory shone around them and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Amen. So a number of things that stood out for me that I felt the Holy Spirit bring to my attention. And the first of these is in verse 4. We are straight into the prophetic fulfilment concerning the coming and birth of the Messiah, who we know as Jesus. In fact, scholars have worked out there are over 300 prophecies found in the Old Testament that reference the person of Jesus. And just a couple of them are from Micah verse, chapter 5, verse 2, but you, Bethlehem, Ephrath, Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. There's a tick 
prophecy fulfilled. The Jews also believed the Messiah would be born of the line of David, which again was prophesied in Isaiah 11, where he explains from the stump of Jesse, the Messiah would proceed. The stump of Jesse, this Jesse is King David's father. And that's part of Jesus's genealogy, which you can find in the beginning of Matthew and Luke. Tick, another prophecy fulfilled. And there would be another 200 plus, 300 plus ticks we could assign to Jesus's coming. These prophecies cover every aspect of Jesus's life, from his birth to where he would be born, how he would live, how he would die, and his resurrection and second coming. This says to me clearly, and let us be in no doubt, God had a plan from the very beginning. God's plan came to fulfilment in the life and death of Jesus. And that God still has a plan and one day Jesus will return. What that means to me is that I am part of God's plan. Me and you. You are part of God's plan. We are part of God's plan collectively. Yet Jesus has not yet returned. So God's plan is still in operation. In the same way I get excited each year about Christmas, I must get equally as excited about the second coming of Jesus. Because one day it will happen. And it might even be in my lifetime. Now that is good news and gives me something even bigger than Christmas to get excited about. It's a great reminder that as we look forward in Advent to Christmas, we also need to look forward to Jesus returning. So the first thing we can say, see straight away is that the birth of Jesus was no accident or coincidence. So what is the second thing that stood out for me as I read these verses? Verse 7, we are told Mary wrapped Jesus in cloths. And in verse 12, the angel told the shepherds they would find the Messiah and the Lord and as a sign you will find a baby wrapped in cloths. In other translations, it says swaddling clothes or strips of cloth. Now, why is this detail recorded in Luke's gospel? We know that Mary didn't have a baby shower to receive them. She was there without her mother or relatives to help deliver the baby. So why mention these cloths? A rabbi called Jason Sobel provided some amazing significance and insight into this, something I never knew before. This rabbi believes that these were not ordinary, everyday shepherds in the passage, but he said that they themselves were raising lambs, lambs that were to be offered as sacrifices in the temples, raising lambs that needed to be without a blemish. 
And these shepherds were known as Levitical shepherds. And the significance here is they would wrap up the lambs in swaddling clothes to protect them, to keep them free from blemish. Therefore, when these shepherds heard the pronouncement from the angel, they would have made an important connection. Here was a sacrificial lamb. Sober wonders of the shepherds when they saw the baby Jesus, what exactly did they see? And the rabbi answers his own question. They saw a baby born in the same place that the Passover lambs were born swaddled like a Passover lamb, pointing to the fact that the Messiah was the Lamb of God who would take over the sins of the world. There at the very moment of Jesus' birth is a foreshadowing of his life. Lived without blemish and whose sacrificial death takes away our sins. So the next time you see Jesus portrayed wrapped in cloths or swaddling clothes, remember, even the very items used to wrap him up was significant. So this second thing that stands out for me, that God was leaving nothing to chance to demonstrate the significance of the life and death of Jesus. The third thing that stood out for me is in verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. As simple as that, the son of God, the son of man, was born. No midwives, no technology, and no mother with her. I was present at the births of all my children, two of which were planned home births. We had the reassurance that there was help and support at hand. Mary and Joseph had none. What this speaks to me about is vulnerability. New babies, and in fact for a number of years, a child is wholly dependent on its parents. Now theologians estimate Mary was a teenager and when Jesus was born and that Joseph was either slightly older or very much, sorry, slightly younger or very much older. Theologians have a debate here. Some say he was quite young. Some say he was actually really old. They're not clear. That's what the commentaries are telling me. So, if we think about this, God placed his master plan to save the world in potentially two teenagers. I'm not sure I would have planned things that way for sure. I've been a teenager. But as I've thought about this, it speaks to me that God chooses to use us to complete his plan. In all our weaknesses and all our vulnerabilities, And this plan that he is still working out, he's working out in and through us. You could even say, God needs us. 
Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying God needs us to fulfill his plan. He is God after all. So maybe it's better to say God wants to. God likes to. God prefers to work in and through us to accomplish his plans. That is quite amazing. So God has a plan. He leaves nothing to chance and he puts the Messiah and the fate of the world in Mary and Joseph's hands. Simple human beings, men and women. Men and women just like you and me. The fourth thing that stands out, verse 11, an angel says to the shepherds, a saviour has been born to you. Not your saviour, but a saviour. I looked up the Greek, as some translations say your saviour, but if you go back to the Greek, the Strong's Concordance reference number 4990, if you're interested, the Greek is so tear, a deliverer, a saviour. What strikes me about this is the angel says to the shepherds, and he still says to us today, a saviour has been born to you. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to respond to this? Jesus is proclaimed as a saviour. But we have to choose to make him our saviour. Jesus spends his entire ministry saying, look at me, I am, I am, I am. He demonstrated his love for us in every possible way, shared the good news, preached the forgiveness of sins and healed every disease. He ultimately died for us on a cross to defeat death so that our sins would be forgiven. Truly the sacrificial lamb, by whose blood shed on the cross we are redeemed. So this fourth thing that stands out for me in this Christmas story is we have a choice at Christmas and a choice every day. God is not forcing a saviour on us, but he wants us to choose. The fifth and final thing that stands out in the words of the angel in verse 10, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, sometimes us Christians are accused of being hypocrites. We say one thing and we do another. Often this might be about keeping rules or swearing or speeding or other minor mistakes or major errors in judgment. But I want to level another accusation at us Christians today. When I read these verses again, that the coming of Jesus was good news that would bring great joy, I must confess I felt a bit of a hypocrite and a little bit ashamed. There have definitely been moments this year when I have forgotten the good news and definitely the great joy. Don't get me wrong, 
I'm not beating myself up here. This year has been tough, really tough. But I know I have at times lost sight of these words that the angel brought to the shepherds, and I'm sorry. Because Jesus is good news. The gospel is good news. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And that his light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has never overcome it. So this last thing that stands out for me is I feel challenged. I feel the need to embrace that light once more as Christmas approaches and share the good news and great joy that it brings. So what does all of this mean to us? Like Jesus' birth, I don't believe we are here alive by accident. We are not just the biological outcomes of two people reprocreating. Jeremiah 1.5 says, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. (coughs) While they were written for Jeremiah, these also apply to us. Isaiah 43, I have called you by name. You are mine. Luke 12, 7, the very hairs on your head are numbered. Just as Jesus' coming was planned and ordained, so are our lives. I find that amazing and hard to comprehend, but it is true. If you are feeling unsure of your place in this world today, reflect on these verses and add your name in them. Paul, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. They are amazing. Like God has a plan and a purpose for our lives, a plan and a purpose that only we can achieve. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. In Ephesians 2, 10, he says, For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If you are feeling bereft of purpose for your life, then know that God has one for you. He is not hiding it from you. I want to encourage each of us to return to the manger this Christmas and observe the baby who grows to a man. And if we've lost sight of that purpose, then recapture it this Christmas. In authentic church, we have a very clear and simple purpose to continue what Jesus started. I would encourage you to observe the life of Jesus and emulate him. In doing so, you will be carrying out God's purpose for your life. 
What else does this mean to us? I believe God needs us. And he wants to use us. Like God chose to use Mary and Joseph to raise Jesus so that his plans would ultimately succeed, God wants to and importantly chooses to include us in establishing his plans and will here on earth. Come in. I've read a challenging book a couple of times now, a book by a gentleman called Rhys Howells, and the book is called The Intercessor. He was an amazing man of God, born in 1879 and lived in Wales. God called him to a life of intercession for others, which Rhys followed at great sacrifice to himself. God used him very powerfully. Norman Grubb, a friend and author of the book, records an encounter between Rhys and God when Rhys was praying for a practical need for someone. God told Rhys in no uncertain terms he was not going to answer his prayers if he could answer them himself. Just repeat that. God told Rhys in no uncertain terms he was not going to answer his prayers if he, he could answer them himself. Now I'm not saying this is a biblical principle or one God calls us all to follow. But I find this a challenge. God wants, his, wants us to use us to achieve his outcomes Maybe sometimes this is in quite practical ways. Maybe today God is calling some of us to be the answers to the prayers we are praying. And finally, God sent us a saviour. We have to choose to accept him. The baby Jesus, the risen and crucified Jesus is not forced upon us. We have to choose. Romans 10.9, if you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Mark 16, whoever believes and is baptised will be saved. Romans 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Declare, believe, be baptised, call, you choose. At some point in our lives, we all need to make a choice and a decision about Jesus. We have to repent of our sins, accept that Jesus died and rose again, and that through his death and through Christ alone, the price is paid. It is only through Jesus that we are made right with God. And in this act, we acknowledge that Jesus is not just a saviour, but our saviour. So Jesus is good news, and this good news will bring great joy to all people. I know it can be hard sometimes. When our faith is tested and our prayers remain unanswered, joy 
can be hard to find. I don't have any one-line answers to recapturing and living in joy when life is hard. All I do know is Christmas is coming. Christmas is always coming. And where there is Christmas, there is Jesus. And where there is Jesus, there is hope. I will close today with this final scripture, which is my blessing and hope for all of us today as we collectively look forward to Christmas. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. And in the words of Mary from the chosen, people must know. Amen.